Hello listeners, and welcome to A Dash of Salt with AJ. I'm your host, Ahsoka Jackson, author, poet, podcaster, and freelance proofreader. So we left off last time talking about the conversation between Kony, Mikasa, and the others, where they were talking and arguing a bit about Aaron and trying to make sense of his current behavior. I already addressed a little bit of that, and now I'm going to move on to that broader question of the apparent changes we've seen with Aaron. This is sort of a complicated thing as a whole, and it's Really, it's something that takes most or all of the season to truly examine. That's why it's been an ongoing process and why I've been addressing it throughout my coverage of the season, rather than trying to discuss it in one fell swoop. Aaron really does make me think of that one expression. The more things change, the more they stay the same. As I've stated before, we definitely do see some differences now that he's older, more experienced, and has been through certain things that have deeply impacted him. He's more patient and methodical in how he operates. He shows a greater capacity than ever to keep his emotions under control and calmly analyze even high-stress situations in a very focused manner. He's also developed a heck of a poker face. Yet, it's also the case that what we see with Aaron nowadays is, as previously stated, the culmination of traits and tendencies and potential already glimpsed and hinted at and sometimes blatantly shown in the prior seasons. Even if he feels markedly different, what we see now didn't just come out of nowhere. It's just that things have developed further now. Plus, in the prior seasons, it was like his more prominent traits of open anger and aggression tended to distract from some of the subtler aspects of his character. And I think in the areas where his current behavior seems unexpected or inconsistent with his prior behavior and traits, that's really an invitation to look more deeply and ask what would motivate him to behave in this manner. Now, Connie said something really interesting. He noted how previously Aaron always wanted to keep his friends out of danger to the extent that he could. That reminds me of the great point Wolf made about how Aaron's always sought to take the burden onto himself as much as possible, and the likely connection between that and what went on in Liberia. I revisited that point in my reaction to episode 9, so I'll link to those installments of the reaction. But a quick summary would be that maybe Aaron was in a situation where he knew he wouldn't be able to execute the entire operation solo. Taking the Warhammer, extracting Zeke from Marley, killing off the military and government officials, destroying the port, and then getting the heck out of Marley alive. Even with Aaron's current mastery of his time skills, that's a ton to accomplish. Especially needing to conduct that strike in the central area, and then that separate location where the port was and he ended up battling multiple other time shifters at once. So realistically, that's just not something he could have pulled off with only himself, Zeke, and Zeke's faction. Despite what Armin said about Aaron's willingness to execute the operation without his friends, I think it's more accurate to say that Aaron put his life on the line and put himself in a position where his only hope of survival was in having their help. If they had refused, he would have died, and he was willing to gamble his life like that for the sake of the cause. And actually, I think what Aaron likely intended in going rogue was to minimize his friend's role, and maybe even give them plausible deniability, to the extent possible. Refraining from the operation altogether wasn't something he considered a true option, but I do think he tried to handle as much as he could with just his own strength and resources and those of Zeke. And interestingly enough, some folks actually see his interactions during the Liberia strike as showcasing some of his personal growth because of that very fact that Aaron normally tries to shoulder the burn as much as possible. 
And we know that when it comes to Mikasa in particular, there's a tense personal dynamic between the two, where he tends to be aggravated and frustrated and very resistant to her attempts to protect him. Although I should mention that he wasn't always like that, even in the past. His biggest problem seemed to be when she was trying to go off script in order to guard him. But if that was her properly assigned role, then he seems more willing to accept that, since it came with the territory of being part of the team and following orders. But then in Liberio, you see this shift that's taken place. He's actually gotten to a place where he's determining in his own right that he does need his team's help, and he's actively calling upon them. And during the battle itself, you particularly see how he interacts with Mikasa. Rather than shrugging off or resisting her help, he's actually giving his complete trust and reliance in her to perform her role in the operation and have his back. It's actually to the point where he's able to be laser-focused and actually serene in just staying on track and focusing on his own parts of the battle, fighting the other Titans, analyzing their behavior, etc. Because he knows she'll make sure he has the breathing room to focus on that. It actually reminds me a lot of the dynamic between a sniper and a spotter, because one of the spotter's jobs is to provide security in order to compensate for the vulnerability that comes with the sniper's role. And you also saw the synergy in their interactions where Mikasa understood in real time, without even having to be necessarily walked through it by him, where her assistance was needed and in what faction. As dark as the situation was, that was awesome to watch, and I wish it could have happened under less depressing circumstances. And that larger situation makes me think of what I noted with brave volunteers and Aaron's reaction to the scout ships from Marley. Aaron's normally someone who just scoffs at the odds and says they'll figure out a way to beat them. But even back then, we were already seeing this graver and more realistic outlook where Aaron bluntly commented that if Marley really attempted to wipe them out, it would succeed, and Paradise was just lucky that they weren't facing serious attacks of that sort yet. I think the Liberio situation showcases something similar. It's not that he doesn't care about his friend's safety and well-being. It's simply that Aaron is realistic and mature enough at this point that he's analyzed the situation and accepted that he's going to need his friend's help for this part of the plan. And what is it that's at stake here? The very survival of parties. They were in imminent danger of being massacred as a nation. So it's not like he's doing this casually. He's desperate at this point, and he has darn good reason to be. In fact, one thing to consider is that if the island gets wiped out, then his friends will also lose their lives anyways, unless they manage to flee or escape somehow. And of course, the more likely scenario is that they'd be on the front lines and would be some of the earliest casualties when Marlin and the rest of the world launched an invasion. Now, I think I can go ahead and address right quick that comment I referenced, where someone was saying that Eren had changed a lot, and they were busy listing how Isayama's gone out of his way to give various indications of that. I won't say that everything they said or listed wasn't correct, but two things that did stand out to me and that I had to address were the actions of Aaron's talking to himself and his laughing in reaction to a friend's death. First of all, both of those things are behaviors Aaron already exhibited in prior seasons. Those are not actually new behaviors. Near the very end of season three, after he'd finally discovered the name of his primary Titan, the attack Titan, Aaron was pondering it and quietly talking to himself as he did so. As a matter of fact, the interaction we get with Hanja in a sound argument is something of a callback to that prior scene, because both times we have that theme of Aaron speaking to himself, and then Hanja's interrupting and sort of interrogating him about it. Even Levi took pity on the boy back then and stepped in to get Hanja off his back. See, Levi thoroughly gets how annoying she can be. Also, 
What Aaron's doing in this episode isn't particularly strange. I addressed that some in the reaction to episode 9 as well. It's not like he's muttering random gibberish or something that might actually be a sign of mental deterioration, which is what the commenters seem to be suggesting. My perspective is that Aaron's essentially giving himself a pep talk in the mirror, and that sort of self-talk is not some super rare or unheard of thing in real life. Heck, some people have a whole routine of giving themselves positive affirmations in the morning or whatever. I don't really envision Aaron's doing that, but what he is doing definitely makes sense to me. He's just been through a set of experiences that were extremely draining both physically and mentally, and he's nowhere near done yet. He fought this massive battle in Liberia, one he could reasonably expect to cause an additional rift between himself, his friends, and his superiors. Plus, it also sealed his commitment to the plan and increased the pressure that much more. And then on top of that, he lost a valued friend, and he hasn't even had time to grieve her death properly. And he's still not about to have that time yet because he has to keep moving forward with the plan. So Aaron is standing in front of that mirror, repeating that mantra telling himself to keep going and reminding himself what the point of all of this is. You have to keep going. You have to fight through this pain and this exhaustion and this isolation. You can't give up. You're not going to be able to save parties if you give up now and give in to everything dragging you down. Come on, fight this. Fight through it. Alright guys, thanks for listening to me today, and I hope you had a great time. If you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and turn your notifications on so you get updates. And you can help make the podcast more visible for new viewers and listeners by leaving a like, share, comment, or review on whichever platform you used to listen. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, YouTube, Amazon Music, social media, etc. Now be blessed, and stay salty.